Sometimes it feels we're inside out And I've made some poor decisions lately It's common in air quotes Infused with the scent of potpourri Films will commit to memory Crossing the felt roads Watching from home on my TV Looking at all my eyes can't see They tell me I view obsessively Hello and welcome to the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Uh, we're a movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more podcasts presented by Obsessive Viewer at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And of course, our podcast will always be free, but if you'd like to support what we do here, you can become a patron at Patreon.com slash ObsessiveViewer for regularly posted bonus content, exclusive TV and movie reviews and reactions, commentary tracks, and deep dives into Stephen King books and stories, among other things. Again, that's at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. I'm your host, Matt Hurt. You can find me on social media and Letterboxd at obsessiveviewer. And joining me today is Tiny, who you can follow on Letterboxd at obsessivetiny, and our recurring co-host and creator of themoviestate.com, Ben Sears, who you can follow on Twitter at themoviestate. That is a just mouthful of an introduction there uh how are you guys doing this evening <laughs> doing great man nice wonderful nice uh yeah so today on the podcast we're going to be talking a little bit about avatar 2's trailer and uh then we're going to go into a review of alex garland's new movie men and finish out with the maybe brief depending on time um review of the new netflix documentary uh our father so this is going to be a big episode. This is going to be a fun a fun episode to uh to chat with you guys on. Um so uh yeah, we yeah, what's new? <laughs> how do you guys feel? How how did you guys feel about the Patreon stuff that we did and uh yeah, how's how how are we this evening? I'm great. We uh talked about some race stuff. It is race mm-hmm. season. That's kind of like all I'm thinking about over the last couple of weeks. Sure. So. <laughs> Yeah. Speedway themed Patreon. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, talking in depth about the race, a lot of different aspects of it too. And shout out to one of my favorite coffee places, The Spark on Main Street. Um, <laughs> so yeah, which so, is now a sponsor, yeah. right? Uh, no, although he like the owner did offer us to do like a live thing, but I just never got in touch with him about that. Um, mm. And now I don't live over there anymore, so. Yeah. So, you know, um, uh, but yeah, so maybe someday, but yeah, that's a great coffee place. Um, yeah. So any, before we get into like the avatar stuff and everything, um, any movie stuff that's happened recently that you guys want to talk about at the top or should we dive into the avatar trailer? Hmm. The uh, Cannes Film Festival started yesterday. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Is that is that where David Cronenberg's movies premiering, or am I yeah. mistaken? Okay. Yep. I don't know if I have really any interest in seeing it. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. He's he's just a weird. He, I don't know if I really. I have a lot of blind spots in his filmography. Um, ben, I know you recently watched his Crash. 
He did crash. Yeah. 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 How'd you feel about that? I've heard some stories. Um, yeah, he is a weird, weird dude. Um, <laughs> Matt is, I, I know how you feel about Titan. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, definite, uh, similarities to it. Not, you know, mm-hmm. not too many, but you know, a little bit, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I kind of want to see a few more of his movies, mm-hmm. uh, before his new one, but I don't know. Okay. It was weird. Hmm. Interesting. Which which is pretty much all that I have heard about him and his <laughs> movies. So that yeah. attracts. Yep. Tiny, how do you feel about Cronenberg? And are you looking forward to Crimes of the Future or whatever it is? Um, I wasn't. I, I'm not really um, familiar with his new movie. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that he had a new movie coming out this year. But uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. I think um, I'm a fan of any director who sticks to their vision mm-hmm. um and he definitely does that and uh he sometimes sometimes it's just a little bit too weird a little too inaccessible um but he's had some great movies i think his version of the fly is fantastic i love that movie oh yeah um, i still have not seen it yeah yeah uh, and just a couple other movies of his I'm a fan of. Um, he's he's just very stylistic, and I, I like that. Yeah. Honestly, I think one of the only movies I've seen of his is The Dead Zone, honestly. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i confident that I watched A History of Violence oh, many, yeah. many years ago. I didn't know it at the time that that was him, but uh, from what I remember of it, I liked it. I've, I did see that. And did he, did he also do Eastern promises or is that someone else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did Eastern promises. I've seen both of those. I don't remember much of anything about them, but yeah. So I've seen three of his I movies. Like, uh, I like the way he uses violence in movies. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, effective and just, yeah, really, uh, effective is the best word. Nice. Mm-hmm. Memorable too. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tiny, any movie stuff that you've gone through or watched or anything? TV or movie or um, anything? In lieu of a potpourri section at the end, I guess. <laughs> yeah. TV, I just finished um, Ozark last week. Oh, nice. Are you satisfied? Yeah. I I am. I totally am. Uh, I think I understand why a lot of people didn't like it. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think it was it was sad and it was awesome at the same time. Nice. And uh, I didn't feel I was worried to feel it would it would feel a little rushed, but mm-hmm. uh, it it really didn't to me. Um, nice. Yeah, it was really satisfying. Okay. No, it's like over over now, right? Yep, because they split the final season up, right? Right, right. Yeah. Okay. How how do you think as a whole, Ozark compares to Breaking Bad? Like in terms of just, I don't know singular storyline and in in terms of ending it like well or however how does it stack up against breaking bad i think breaking bad has the clear edge Mm -hmm. to it um i think breaking bad had a little more depth Mm -hmm. ozark is more straightforward um but it's they're both fantastic shows i mean Mm -hmm. i i'm not gonna you know, they're both nines out of 10. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're great shows. Um, they're just, they're easy to compare too. Cause I think it's kind of about mm-hmm. people in desperate situations yeah. doing extreme things. So it, it, they kind of fit into a mold that way, but um, they're pretty different shows all around. Uh, okay. From it, 
from the two seasons that I watched of Ozark, I would agree that there are definitely some similarities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, I watched uh, the first season and liked it a lot. I just never got back to it. Yeah. And if I think this was the fourth season, they split up into mm-hmm. two. So it's kind of like five seasons, kind of not. Yeah. And I, I love when a show can understand its limits and, yeah. and know, know when to end it properly. You Go know, so many shows, terms. right. So many shows get just drawn out. Um, yeah. I think that trend is kind of going away. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just because I only watch like cable and streaming. Yeah. I rarely watch any network TV anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I think, I don't think the show needed any more. I don't think it needed any less. I think it was just kind of that Goldilocks of, you know, five, five seasons, 50, 60 episodes. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of perfect. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, and final question before we go into our Avatar 2 talk and then and then the actual episode. But have either of you watched um, any of Better Call Saul? Because I know that that's about to end. No, Tiny. I watched, I think, I forget now if it was two or three seasons of it. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, but yeah, I watched the first couple. And mm-hmm. I'm way behind, I know. Yeah. Uh, I, and I would really like to watch the rest. I just uh, don't know when that will be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good from what I remember. I think I stopped watching because I think at the time I still had cable. Okay. Um, or I like, mm, you can edit this out. I <laughs> illegally downloaded the episodes and then I was suddenly no longer able to. So <laughs> Okay. Um, I'm keeping it that, in. <laughs> now that all but the newest season is on Netflix, I mm-hmm. can, I, I have no excuse not to catch up nice. with it. Nice. Yeah, I was thinking about giving it a whirl. I watched the first season like when it first aired and mm-hmm. I thought it was good. It was it was really the, the most intriguing aspect of it to me or the most enjoyable aspect of it to me was like going back to the visual style and just like the scenery of Albuquerque and the cinematography that made Breaking Bad so like unique um seeing like those like that kind of filmmaking again was really refreshing but i just i just don't rem- i remember just not really caring about the story of the first season so i don't know um Maybe I'll give it a shot because it's it's one of those shows that is kind of irritating. The like fans just love it and everyone like it is it's a water cooler show. Um, And so it always sucks to kind of feel like you're out of the loop. So, yeah, yeah, I was just never really all that intrigued with uh, Mm -hmm. the character of Saul Goodman. Mm, Yeah. So I've never really had any desire to watch the show. I'm sure I'm sure it's good. Bob Odenkirk is terrific, but uh, yeah, I I just never really had a desire to watch it. I might at some point, but maybe not. And here's the thing that I, that I kind of had this weird kind of morbid thought. Um, When Bob Odenkirk had his heart attack, like thankfully he survived, he's recovered, he's okay and everything, but, I wonder what would have happened if he had died like to the production of the show, because I like, I can't 
figure out how they because they were like six seasons into the show. I mean, I don't know how they how they handle that, given that it's an established character with, you know, it's a prequel to Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I just that was a weird, morbid, like thought exercise I went through. Um. Yeah. So I don't know. Did you guys think about I didn't that? Know at all? That he, <laughs> I didn't know that he had had a heart attack. I didn't. Oh hear about yeah. That. Oh yeah. This was yeah, like a was, year or so. Ago? It was yeah. I think around this time last year. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Like it was in the middle of filming. Uh, he had a medical emergency and went to the hospital and he was in the hospital for a few days and recovered and everything. Um, huh. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Um, shall we commence with uh, the episode and <laughs> the stuff on the docket for the episode? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Awesome. Well, first up for news, before we get into our um review of men and our review of our father um we're going to talk about the avatar 2 trailer but i also just want to plug real quick patreon if you go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer um specifically at the two dollar and above levels i've returned to doing my what i'm dubbing my church of king um uh, series of reviews of Stephen King short fiction. So in January, I did Night Shift in five parts, like a, like six hours worth of recording, um, all about Night Shift story by story. And then I'm currently working on Skeleton Crew, which is going to be six parts. And I have the first two posted and the third one is almost done. It's going to post this weekend. So if you haven't joined Patreon, uh, check out patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. The $2 and above levels get access to that, those series of recordings. It's a lot of fun and I like to uh, use like these things to as an excuse to change with the change the mic settings and change the microphones I re- record with. It's a whole thing. But anyway, check that out. Um, but... Let's talk about the Avatar 2 sequel, Avatar 2 sequel, the Avatar, the, the Avatar, Avatar, the way of water trail teaser trailer came out. It's apparently really going to come out this, this December. Um, I have a clip from the trailer that I'm going to play and then we can talk about it and everything. So here we go. Avatar, the way of water. So, Tiny, I know that you're a fan of the original Avatar from, like, 11 years ago or whatever. Um, Ben, I don't know how you feel about Avatar. Um, So, why don't we get your guys' thoughts on Avatar as the first movie and what your expectations are for Avatar, The Way of Water, and the endless sequels that are going to be, that are being made, I guess. So, whichever one wants to go uh, first. Matt, I know you generally don't like Avatar, correct? Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I mean, I've only seen it the one time and it was uh not long after it came out. Mm-hmm. And I did not care for it either. Um I think the yes. only reason I will ever have to watching it again would be in preparation for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um 
yeah, I, I just didn't care for it. And I really wasn't, I didn't care for, I didn't care about the sequels until this trailer dropped. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know if I really care all that much (laughs) either. Uh, it's kind of weird if that makes sense. Um, I mean, I'm going to see it, but I don't want to, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, I'm mostly going to see it out of obligation. I think it, it looks cool. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the main uh, attraction for the original, at least for me. It's definitely not a story uh, <laughs> right. element that that I like <laughs> about it. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I I think it looks cool. I, I'm curious what kind of mythical element they're going to look after this time with maybe uh, – can't find it um, or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, some nonsense like that. Oh, that would be great. Something that James Cameron has been thinking about for 12, 13 years. Yep. <laughs> Tiny, how about you? Where, where do you land on Avatar? Has your opinion of it, of the first movie, changed at all over the years? And how are you feeling about Avatar The Way of Water? Um, yeah, I think my opinion has maybe changed a little. I still like the movie mm-hmm. and, uh, I remember the theater experience. Um, mm-hmm. I actually saw it in 3d. Um, Did we see it together? Possibly. I, I honestly, it was 13 years ago. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I can remember. Um, maybe I, I, I'm not sure, but, uh, that was a time where 3d was kind of ramping up a lot and mm-hmm. then it was everywhere. Uh, and I think the movie was really, uh, the, the, this movie kind of launched the new kind of 3d, I think, and it, I don't mm-hmm. know about launched it, but it sort of perfected it, I guess. And I was actually really impressed by the 3d capabilities of the movie. And that theater experience was so cool. I, I the, the, the true depth of it and everything of, and then just mm-hmm. the stunning, stunning visuals on top of all of that. Um, I was just like, holy shit, that was incredible. Um, but it's a super flawed movie. I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. derivative as all hell. Um, James Cameron is not a great writer. Uh, the actors are fine. I mean, don't have anything bad to say about the actors. Just pretty standard fare in that regard. So it's not like in a an amazing movie. It just it completely rests on the technology and the mm-hmm. visuals. That's that that's the whole movie and. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like I, I'm, I'm not ashamed or like, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with liking the movie for that. And, uh, I don't, right. or, uh, that, that, that's why I like it, you know? Um, but I can, I, I, some people can't admit that it's not a great movie other than that. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, I don't know if it's just cause they're Cameron fanboys or what my brother-in-law thinks this is like one of the best movies ever made. Hmm. And we've never oh, gotten really? into an argument about it cause I don't really care. <laughs> um, but it's just funny to hear him sit there and talk about it. And, you know, I, I do think there's some kind of pretty cool conceptual parts of the story. Like, I think the idea that mankind is traveling halfway across the universe or whatever to mine, uh, some element is an interesting idea. Um, and the conflict that it creates is an interesting idea, but again, it's not particularly original, um, right. and I think the, the execution of it was, was pretty cool and well done, but, uh, yeah. And, you know, I wish I could be excited for the sequels. I remember when the damn first one came out he was like, Oh, he wants to do like three sequels. Yeah. I was like, Oh shit, that's cool. 
was 13 years ago. It's yeah. like all, all, all enthusiasm is mm-hmm. gone. I mean, it's just gone. Oh so, yeah. So. Yeah. It, uh, until this trailer came out, it's almost like avatar almost ceased to exist. Yeah. Right. You know? It There's has no almost zero cultural footprint. Yeah. And that's outside the, of Disney world. Exactly. And that's what <laughs> I find most, what little I find interesting about Avatar is like, cause I like the movie, the movie did not leave an impression on me. I didn't, I was, I wasn't a fan of it. And, um, excuse me. I wasn't a fan of the movie. I tried to watch it a couple more times. I think I've watched it two or three times total. Just not for me. It, visually it's really impressive, but there's nothing there story wise to compel me for anything. Um, um also like sam worthington his american accent just i can't like it's rough um but the thing that i find fascinating about it and well i i'll reel that back real quick um the thing i find mildly interesting about this whole thing is that he is making a total of four sequels or five sequels simultaneously I've lost count. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Which is interesting because that's something that's never been done before. It's really intriguing. Um part of me is thinking that okay, well James Cameron, I'm not the biggest James Cameron fan, but I will admit that he is responsible for making and I've said this before on the podcast to he has made like his track record in terms of making sequels to major science fiction films is pretty good because he made T2 and he made aliens. <laughs> so like that's a, a, an element of that. Um, but also the thing I find really interesting is the, the blockbuster landscape that this is coming out in because when it came out in 2009, yeah. MCU was just getting started in the interim between then and now the entire like field of blockbuster filmmaking has shifted into a very different landscape than it was before. And I'm just really curious how that's going to become a factor. Cause like, honestly, like if it were, I would be more intrigued by it if he was doing or it was clear that he was going to do like a shared universe thing and have like almost anthology thing where like every avatar movie has a different story about pandora and the you know the navi or whatever um and they kind of all come together but he's been working on it for like 12 years like it's not going to be that i'm just curious to see how it's going to uh how it's gonna how it's gonna fare so I'm yeah. curious too. Yeah. I, I think the whole four or five sequels thing is just not a good idea. No. I, I, I mean, I guess if there's that much story to tell, mm-hmm. okay. But I, I, I doubt there's going to be enough intrigue to sustain it over yeah. six movies at the end. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm almost a little, uh, kind of looking forward to, you know, this movie comes out and people are like, Oh yeah, it was, it was, it was good. And then mm. like the third one comes out like, yeah, it's all right. And the fourth one comes out and it just fucking tanks. And then the yeah. fifth one like just well, sucks. And like, that would be funny as shit if he makes like, you know, the, the fifth <laughs> one comes out and he makes like a hundred million dollars and that's it. And it costs mm. like 400 million to make or whatever, you know? Well, 
I, I'm to that point, like, you know, the first one was so built on, like you said, the visuals of it and the technology Mm -hmm. that was used to make it was so revolutionary. And, you know, how much can they advance that and make it even more revolutionary by the fourth or fifth time around or whatever, or even the second time around? I mean, the trailer looks good, so maybe, I, I don't know. And I've heard that, you know, people that have seen it in 2D and 3D have said that it looks amazing and still. So, but I, I, I haven't seen it that way yet, but. Yeah, visually the trailer looks interesting. What I do find kind of, or I saw a tweet that kind of sums up my feelings on this exactly. The tweet said something to the effect of, and I'm sorry I don't have it like ready for, to attribute it or anything, but it was like, the tweet said something to the effect of, you could tell me that this trailer was footage from the original Avatar, and I would not know the difference. <laughs> and I think that that says two things. One is that 12, 13 years, visual effects have, have come a long way, but like it's not that big of a jump from what was revolutionary in 2009. And the second thing is the avatar story in the first movie is so bland and (laughs) unmemorable that like, that's the other thing that makes me just curious. Like when you basically rip off like Pocahontas and, uh, or whatever, and make a movie in like your own little, like imaginary world. And then you decide to, devote the rest of your career to playing in that sandbox like that. I like, I admire that idea, but when the, when the, when the story is just so not interesting, I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you make that many sequels out of such a bland story that had nothing going for it for me? So I don't know. Well, I tweeted this, uh, that if the uh, original was basically Pocahontas, then the mm-hmm. sequel should be the uh, home release sequel to Pocahontas, <laughs> which is uh, uh, Pocahontas 2, I think, like back to London or something. Oh, wow. Something weird like that. It was bad. Oh, wow. It was a bad movie. Damn. So Oof. maybe that's what Avatar 2 will be story-wise. They'll go back yeah, to, I, I guess, Earth in this case. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know how. I don't know how he's going to stretch it into no. however many more sequels. I mean, I could maybe see a trilogy. Yeah, but well, uh, that first movie was so conclusive too. I yeah. mean, it was. Well, here's the yeah. thing: like the press release and everything, <laughs> like what has been said about the about <laughs> what has been said about the plot from James Cameron from the from like. 20th century and and disney and everything is that like it's 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 shrouded in secrecy because like they don't want to give away the plot or anything but what is what it has been announced about it is that like 10 years after the first movie the same villains from the last movie come back to finish the job (laughs) like okay (laughs) so yeah like okay so you're just gonna retread oh fine whatever yeah. yeah. All right. You do you, Jim. You do you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. Um, yeah. So, do we want to actually get into our reviews tonight? Then. Yeah. Yes. Any yes, other? Yes, yes. Sure. Any other new business or anything? 
No. Nope. No. All right. Uh, well, actually, first, before we do that, we're go- like I said, we're going to be reviewing Men and uh, Our Father. Um, but before we do that, Ben, uh, how are things over at themoviestate.com? What have you had post lately? And uh, how's it going over there if you want to plug uh, your site? Uh, yeah, things are going well. Uh, I'm doing episodic reviews of the new season of Barry, uh, on HBO, which is fantastic so far. Um, neither of you guys have watched any of that. Have you? I watched part of the first season and then I dropped off, but I liked it. I just need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's really funny. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the season's halfway over now. Uh, then besides that. Uh, new season of Stranger Things coming out soon. I'll hopefully yeah. have a review of that. Nice. And uh, yeah. Sweet. Nice. Again, check out themoviestate.com. I have essays on there about uh, Kira Kurosawa's work, which I need to really get back into. I feel really bad for dropping the ball on that, but I will get back to that at, at some point soon, I'm sure. I'm, I promise. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, that's themoviestate.com. Okay, well, we are going to go into our our, our our wow our first review of the evening. Um, it's the latest film from writer director Alex Garland, who is w- personally one of my favorite filmmakers working today. Um, we previously uh, Ben and I previously reviewed Devs at the height of the lockdown portion of the pandemic. Um, which was his previous um, work, which was on FX. Um, And so now he's out with a new movie called Men. And the plot summary, courtesy of IMDb, is a young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. The movie stars Jesse Buckley as Harper, Rory Kinnear as Jeffrey, uh, Papa Asudo... Sorry, uh, uh, as James and Gail Rankin as Riley. Um, so we all three saw this movie. It opens um, as of this record. It opens May twentieth in theaters. Um, so we all three saw this in the theater two nights ago at a press screening. How did you guys? What were your expectations going into? going into the theater and uh and then how did you feel in broad terms coming out in non-spoilers um i had i didn't really know what to expect i had seen the trailer um it would i figured it would be a pretty maybe not steep departure from his previous works but uh, I mean, I know that he has written screenplays that have been horror centric, but mm-hmm. uh, all of his movies that he's directed have been more sci-fi, uh, including devs. Um, so uh, I didn't know what to expect. I was really excited to see Jesse Buckley mm-hmm. do, you know, uh, another starring role. Uh, I'm always excited to see her. And then, um, what I thought of it, it, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was, uh, I really liked the scares for the most part. Uh, I thought there were some really effective, like jump scares, uh, some really gross body horror, which we'll mm-hmm. get into. Um, and I thought it looked great. I loved the, the score. Um, Jesse Buckley, 
did a great performance. Rory Kinnear was really weird and uh, effective. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but overall, I, I don't know. It was, I'm still kind of wrestling with it, I guess I would say. Nice. Tiny, how about you? Yeah, I was mostly uh, intrigued as well to see Alex Garland um, kind of take on a more, uh, I don't know about traditional, but a more straightforward horror movie. Um, because like Ben said, it's been almost kind of like more sci-fi. Uh, his, his last couple movies have been more sci-fi than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was curious to see how he handled that. And um, I also agree with Ben. I think it was um, totally eff- effectively scary for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, I feel like the jump scares, if you even want to call them that, I feel like they were pretty well earned and they weren't like, like cheap, you know, like, like cheap scares, if that makes sense. Um, There's a lot of thought and creativity behind everything. Um, A lot of voyeuristic uh, stuff like that. That's very um, realistically scary. Mm -hmm. So I appreciated all that. Um, I feel like, I feel like I don't exactly know what Alex Garland was going for with the movie. I, I don't know if he intended his audience to react a certain way and we all should have felt these emotions or had these thoughts when we're watching the movie. Cause I don't know that I really had hardly any because it, not, I'm not saying I had no emotional response. I'm just saying that I was just very much along for the ride cause it was so wacky that I was wondering what's going to happen next you know, some, something like that. Um, but ultimately I was totally intrigued by it. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Um, Jesse Buckley, uh, like Ben said, she's, she's a huge up and comer right now. And I think she's going to continue to be amazing for years and years and win awards and, and be a great actor. So, uh, she did a great job of course. Um, but I hate to say it in a movie called men, that's kind of, uh, critical of men in certain ways, but the standout was Rory Kinnear. He was just, mm-hmm. I thought he was absolutely phenomenal. I thought he was Oscar worthy in this movie. He mm-hmm. was creepy, scary, um, endearing at times, uh, and just had to walk so many different paths, um, literally and figuratively in this movie. <laughs> um, he, he was just really, really remarkable. Um, and yeah, some of the like, uh, gore was just like, very taxing on the viewer. It's like, holy shit, we're still doing this. Wow. And it wasn't like, I'm not complaining. Like I'm not saying that I was um, overwhelmed or sickened like Mm -hmm. to a, to an unbearable degree. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was, um, it took some effort to get through the movie, but I, but I, I mean that as like a compliment because Mm -hmm. it's like I was tested. Like it was a challenge as a viewer Mm -hmm. and I, I like to be challenged as a viewer sometimes, but yeah, it, it was a really interesting movie. And when we were walking out, um, I think we were talking with uh, another guy from the IHJ. Um, IHJ, Mitch. Uh, Mitch, yeah. Um, and I said, I'm not sure who I can recommend that movie to. I'm not sure I know <laughs> yeah. anyone who I can be like, oh, you should go see this because I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. I don't know who should see this movie. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so wacky, but um, yeah, I did like it for sure. Nice. Is, Quick question, mm-hmm. sorry. Oh, you're fine. Uh, is it considered a spoiler to talk about the gimmick with Rory Kinnear? Because um, I've read one or two reviews that kind of talk about it 
Uh, no, I don't think it would be necessarily a spoiler as long as we are vague about it because I think it's okay. it's pretty much in the marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. But so what I'll say is that I I kind I think I loved this movie, <laughs> and I'm kind of wrestling with that a little bit because. I feel like I left the theater thinking that I was it reconfirmed my thought that Alex Garland is a relentless and unnerving he he's a relentless filmmaker. He is someone who is doing some very interesting things particularly in the science fiction realm and a little bit of horror and just genre filmmaking. And he is using he, like each each movie and each title that he comes out with is wholly his own it's very interesting uh dive a very interesting dive into some science fiction premises and and thoughts and he tackles these very complex and and uh kind of out there themes and everything and what is what's interesting is something that i was talking with Mitch about um before and after the movie is that he he's like his his first one obviously he he wrote a lot of stuff he he worked a lot on dread as well but um obviously like two of my favorite movies are alex alex garland screenplays it's 20 days later and sunshine both are two incredible movies that i love and so like him jumping into filmmaking and everything is really has been just a, a massive enjoyment for me. But having said that, like Ex Machina is pretty straightforward and it is it puts its central concepts in in the in the spotlight. And then when you have Annihilation, it's more abstract and it's more metaphorical, uh, but still having a tether to reality um, to an extent. And then Devs is a little bit of a mix of both, but mostly it's back to the kind of ex machina, kind of straightforward sort of thing. What Men is, is like veering more into that abstract metaphorical storytelling and something that it's something that I really enjoy. It's something that I really like in movies of this type and especially movies that clearly have a message that they want to convey and themes that they want to explore as this movie does. The kind of downside of that is that he's not he's not very subtle with it, and I think intentionally so. Like his entire the entire kind of ethos of the movie is uh is depicting what it's like for uh like women <laughs> in a in a patriarchal society and uh, and more and more specifically a society that lets like the power dynamic um between men and women like lean toward men and forgive men for things and put the onus of you know uh of issues fully on women instead of being you know like self-reflective of men. So these are like big concepts and everything, but they're very kind of depicted straightforward in a straightforward way. So that was a little bit of a thing, uh, a little bit of a damper for me. But I, I think that in terms of the visuals, even though with some kind of weird shaky kind of CGI <laughs> stuff here and there, um, the visuals in this movie were pretty alarming and, and crazy. And, uh, 
and yeah, just that kind of fever dream aspect of it is, is really interesting. And we'll talk more about that, but, uh, but yeah, how, yeah. Uh, yeah. We can talk about some I, stuff. <laughs> I think we're all kind of dancing around. The ending is very polarizing, I would say. Yeah. And I feel like that's where a lot of people are going to jump off, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into in spoilers, but mm-hmm. um yeah, I I I liked it a, a lot more before the ending. Mm-hmm. And I still liked it overall, I would say, but the ending was just so weird and kind of gross. Mm-hmm. Um just a little over the top, really. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I was just thinking of this tiny uh, when you were asking like who you would recommend this to or who this movie is for this. My friend said this as we left the screening, this is very a 24. <laughs> yeah. um, like they, they kind of have this reputation, especially with horror movies of just being so weird and so allegorical. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, once you see this movie, you'll, you'll understand, you mm-hmm. know, if I feel like if anyone wants to point to one, a 24 movie to exemplify the kind of shit that they do, this would probably be it, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it kind of feels a little bit and like and the people that, that detract from a 24 and their brand of horror, I, I guess you would call this elevated horror. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess. Um, but the, the people that detract from a 24 want to, you know, make fun of it. Uh, they're going to have a field day with this movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I think that, and I think part of that is warranted. I didn't have a problem with the last act, but I will say that what I found interesting about it and what I found, uh, enjoyable about, about the kind of shift in it is that, through the first, like, at least the first third of the movie, it's a pretty compelling psychological thriller that's very kind of slow moving as these little, like, bits and pieces are kind of happening. These these things are happening as she's in this, in this cottage, and it's something that it slowly ramps up into just kind of being this, you know, crazy fever dream thing at the end. Um, like fever dream in terms of tone and everything and just like bizarre off the wall stuff. And like, that's good. I enjoy that. But also something that was talked about after the movie as well is the, it's, I mean, it's stuff that's been done before. It's the stuff that like Darren Aronofsky did with mother. And it's the stuff that, uh, Charlie Kaufman did with Jesse Buckley last year in 2020, with um I'm thinking of ending things it's just very it it's almost becoming tropish in a way and that's something that I feel like that's a little bit that's a bummer for me because I want Alex Garland to succeed but I can't really divorce myself from the fact that this is somewhat already trotted territory except this is about gender dynamics instead of you know motherhood or relationships as those other two examples but it still just feels like this is almost almost on the almost on the verge of gimmicky to an extent. So, I don't know, did you guys feel any like did you feel any originality versus derivativeness in it or how did you feel about the overall kind of thing? 
Well, Ben used the term elevated horror, and I do think it is that. Um, I just wish it was a little more elevated, I'll put it that mm-hmm. way. Um, I think it was trying to make statements about gender relationships and mm-hmm. uh, hierarchies and stuff like that and the patriarchy and stuff like that, and and that's fine, and it did that decently well, uh, mm-hmm. but it was just so unoriginal. It was like, yeah, men are, yeah. men, men suck. Like that was kind of the main thing about it. And it, I feel like that point wasn't made very profoundly. Um, yeah. Like, like I think Matt, you were saying how it's, it's, it's just pretty um, kind of obvious. Like it's not, yeah. there, there's no, there's no, like, there's no subtext. It's all on the surface. You right. Know? Um, and you know, I, I it, it wasn't particularly profound and, and I was looking for something a little more profound. Yeah. It's, it's also uh, as with a lot of other a 24 movies and I guess uh, other movie studios as well, but it's also uh, another movie about grief or trauma. Yeah. Um, which I, I feel like I may or may not have said this on the podcast before, but mm. I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of those kinds of, especially horror movies, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I get that. And I, I do agree. I do agree. However, I would say that I do appreciate that this movie is this movie. Like it's, it is about that. It is, it is a grief movie Mm -hmm. like that, much like, like the Babadook and everything. But I do appreciate the way that, um, I don't want to. I don't want to give it too much credit and say that it subverted anything or anything like that. But because because it, it really didn't for my taste. But it's not only about the grief, but it's about the guilt that she feels, and that I appreciate. But also, yeah, that I appreciate that. I'll go. I'll go full praise on that. <laughs> like I thought that was a good a good aspect of it. Um, but another thing that I felt was just a little not rudimentary, but a little bit like check boxes, I guess. Um, we, Ben, you mentioned the kind of whole, uh, Rory Kinnear kind of thing where there's different, different characters are played, are played by him. Right. Yeah. All of the men. Yeah. All of the men. Except for her husband. Yes. Um, which, is good and bad throughout it. Like there's, there's some really good stuff with it. Some of the stuff is a little weird, but each version kind of represents another type of man or another type, uh, another issue Mm -hmm. with like toxic masculinity and, and all of this stuff. Like there's like the kid is an entitled kind of a hole who is like, gonna grow up to be a nice guy trademark he's he's like an incel exactly (laughs) and then like the the religious guy the vicar is you know lusting after her and uh and then jeffrey is kind of like the the good one but socially awkward and unsure how to interact and everything and like each one kind of fits a certain archetype, except for one that <laughs> I still don't understand what the the first one was, which we'll talk about in spoilers. But it also just kind of feels like, I don't know, it feels like there should have been, I wish that there was a little bit more, more detail to those archetypes than what was in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. How did you guys feel about that kind of central kind of, gimmick i guess of the movie or that central conceit of the movie i guess 
Well, from a performance standpoint, I just, I loved it. I thought it was such a mm-hmm. cool creative choice. Um, Rory Kinnear nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that was all really uh, impressive. And, and I think it was, um, I think if those characters had all been played by different actors, it maybe wouldn't have had the same weight. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, those characters wouldn't have been as meaningful. I think if they had all been played by different actors, mm-hmm. um, it's kind of, I, I, I think it was a bit of a statement and how men kind of uh, have these idealistic versions of women and they tend to mm-hmm. kind of uh, um, blend together or uh, they're unrealistic. I don't yeah. know if maybe that was a com- commentary on that. Like these, mm-hmm. these kind of like these women that guys fall in love with in stories, it's always this mm-hmm. pretty blonde girl who's, subservient or whatever um Mm -hmm. and so you know it was a way of poking fun of that and saying how all you men are alike something like that i I, again i don't know if that's what alex garland was going for but i thought maybe there was something to that um so as a creative choice i was a big fan of it and i think it added something added one of my favorite parts of the movie really nice Nice. yeah for sure i think for me the only weak point of that was the cgi with the the teenager or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's just nothing you can really do about that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll echo what tiny said. I thought it was a good thematic way of, uh, adding to that. Nice. Yeah, I agree. And we'll talk more in depth in spoilers. Did you guys want to go ahead and go into spoilers for men or anything else before we jump, jump in? Sure. Okay, so now we are going to go into spoilers for men. So if you don't want to be spoiled, go ahead and skip over this. Check the show notes for timestamps, all that stuff. So I'm going to play a clip from the trailer for men, and then we are going to spoil men. Want to play a game? You hide. I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. What are you doing now? What are you? So to bring us into spoilers, I'm just going to say that I'm I'm a fan of this type of abstract, weird filmmaking kind of thing, this abstract, metaphorical, allegorical stuff. What I'm what I'm kind of uh, torn about is it it kind of seems like between this and Annihilation, he doesn't really go full on like this is probably the closest he has come to just going full bonkers insane. But I think Tiny, you kind of spoke about this a little bit, but it doesn't really have like a cohesive um kind of point to it um i i don't know that's what i'm wrestling with like i came out of the theater thinking that i i kind of love this movie um but the more i think about it it's kind of it's kind of uh going down a little bit so what did you guys think in spoilers of men i i think it it kind of violates its own logic rules as well um mm-hmm. which is kind of a point that uh mitch was making when we were talking about it mm-hmm. um after you know because it's like 
you're kind of trying to decide what's real mm-hmm. and like, you know, did, did she actually witness all this? Was it in her head? Was it a hallucination? Um, did all that actually happen? Like I it's, and, and, you know, that's not always entirely important to a movie, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it can still get its point across and not answer those questions. But, um, I feel like I needed those answers, those questions answered in this movie and it didn't really do it. And I, again, I just don't, I, I don't know exactly what, what Alex Garland was trying to say. And, and I, that's, that's my biggest thing. And I, it's, it's hard to pick up the thread, I guess. Yeah. That, yeah. that I think is my biggest issue with it is there's no rules for why this is happening. Um, you know, was it always this way? Did she always see Rory Kinnear uh, back at home? Or is it just like after her husband died? Or uh, is there a way to get rid of it? Uh, it's it's unclear. Um, and not that I really wanted a scene where someone explains that to her or we get some kind of a flashback where uh, it's explained, but Mm -hmm. it it was, it was missing one way or another. Yeah. I, I definitely, I feel that void. I, I feel that like, I understand that. And to a certain extent, I agree, but I think that for me, that wasn't quite as much a factor in in my in my wrestling with my enjoyment of the movie versus not enjoying it specifically because it does go full bore into the kind of crazy abstract crazy stuff at the end and like I feel like I didn't really need it to make any logical sense um but it's also it that is also such a such a fine line to draw because up until that point to an extent, well, I'm not really up to that point. It's always been kind of bonkers, but up until that point, it it has. I don't know. I I, I never really felt the need to have it explained. I, I never felt like mm-hmm. I needed to know why Rory Kinnear was all these different people. I didn't need to know why because I saw it as archetypes of different types of like predatory men behavior, and. I was on board with that, but the naked man was so weird and out of left field for me. Like I, I did not understand what that character represented, what that version of the man represented And like, I'm at a loss. I, it's weird. I, what did, what did you guys make of the, the naked man? Well, let me mansplain it to you guys. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I I was also wondering the same thing. Like, is it mm-hmm. some kind of, like, environmental allegory? Is he supposed to be, like, Adam and she's Eve? Because mm-hmm. uh, there is that that moment at the beginning where she eats the apple. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it wasn't totally clear. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I sort of interpreted him as, like, a personification of men's nature, mm-hmm. um, which... I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if that's uh, accurate or mm-hmm. even, uh, even a good interpretation, but he's just kind of, um, and it's funny cause he doesn't like, uh, you know, he's not like trying to 
he's not trying to like do anything to her really. He's very observant for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, so it's kind of, I, I don't really know either, but mm-hmm. I, I took it as some sort of dawn of man kind of naturalistic um, men's nature kind of thing. Instinctual. Instinct. Yeah. But again, like yeah. I, I thought if, if that's what they were going for, I would have expected him to be a little rapey. Yeah. Uh, if we're being honest here um, yeah, or more aggressive, I mm-hmm. think more aggressive is probably a better word. And he was not that at all. So I, I, I don't know either. I'm not sure what he was going for, but it was effective. It was creepy. Um, yeah. I would say there, there was the, where like some of the most effective scares came from. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. That's where it was most unsettling and unnerving for me. And I think that that to, uh, to the movie's credit, I think it really does a good job of bringing us into that weird, like abstract, weird, crazy stuff at the end of the movie, because it builds toward that with that kind of, mounting tension of unease uh throughout the the beginning of the movie so i I really appreciate it for that um yeah i yeah. i also and i don't know what to make of this totally but i couldn't that was the rory kinnear that i really couldn't tell that it was rory kinnear me neither you know because he has on so much heavy makeup mm-hmm. and Granted, I I knew that it was him because everyone else was him, but uh, I couldn't tell that it was him. You know? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Quick question for you guys. Uh, her friend that mm-hmm. she has had that she has the phone calls with. Um, at the very end when she shows up. Was that Rory Kinnear again? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Because she didn't look like him on the phone, but when she gets there in person, I kind of oh uh, maybe her, I need like, to see it again. Her, uh, her, like, like her friend. Yes. Oh no, I, I, I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't so know, either. I, I yeah. I thought maybe with the eyes and the forehead a little bit maybe I need to hmm. see it again but Interesting. I thought he kind she kind of like had a CGI Rory Kinnear face. Oh, that's interesting. I don't yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so, but maybe. that that's an interesting take. Hmm. hmm. Um listeners let me know what you think. Yes. <laughs> uh so what did you guys think kind of overall about men? Uh, is it going to rank on your top tens or how did you feel about it? And, and also in comparison with the rest of Alex Garland's filmmaking body of work. I would be surprised if it made my top 10. Um, I, I didn't feel that strongly about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I gave it, I gave it three stars out of five. Um, I did enjoy it. Like I said, I couldn't look away from it. It was yeah. uh, visually impressive. I, mm-hmm. I didn't mention much of the other technical aspects of it either, but it had a great setting. Uh, the lighting was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, some other good visuals. And of course the makeup with Rory Kinnear was, yeah. was really good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna 
watch it again, honestly. Um, sure. I think of the, th- the three movies that Alex Garland directed, I would say it's not as good as Ex Machina, but um, better than Annihilation. I, I didn't really care for Annihilation. Um, yeah. I've only seen it the one time, and I... Mm. I don't know if I need to see it again or what, but um, I, I do say, I will say I like Alex Garland better as a writer. Mm. Um, I think if he had written this and then Danny Boyle had directed it, I might like it more. Oh, that would have been interesting. <laughs> huh? Just, yeah, because of 28 days later in sunshine, yeah. you know, those are two phenomenal freaking movies. Mm. Um, yeah. So maybe I just like him better as a writer. I'm not really sure. And even Ex Machina, you know, I was one of like three people in the whole fucking world who wasn't <laughs> blown away by that movie. Yeah. Um, I like that movie. And when I watched it again, I appreciated it more. And mm-hmm. I think it's a damn good movie. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it it wasn't then and it is still not an earth shattering wow kind of movie for me. Um, and it's probably his best movie as a director. So, mm. um, yeah, I, you know, I still respect the hell out of the guy as a, as a creative type and I, I want him to keep making movies. Um, and, and this one was fine. Uh, you know, I, I'm glad I saw it. Like I said, it, it gave me a lot to think about. Um, we didn't really talk about the kind of the ending with yeah. the whole birthing stuff. Oh, I don't my, even, like, again, uh, yeah. I don't know what we're supposed to take from that, but it was visually, I was like, holy shit. And it just kept happening. Yeah. By the third or fourth time, I was like, son of a bitch. Can I watch another one of these? It was rough. Um, It was, it was intense. Yeah. 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 The, uh, like I said, the CGI Rory Kinnear face on the teenager was kind of iffy, but it was, it was pretty effective here. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, to, to talk about that, um, I read an interview with him and I wrote down this quote because uh, I thought it was interesting. And I think it kind of helped me with my feelings on the end. He said, what is notionally the monster is at its most disempowered and it's most pathetic and it's most hopeless. So I think that is why he, her husband finally comes back after so many times and not, you know, the first time, because he, he does, Rory Kinnear does kind of get more and more, like, pathetic with each, mm-hmm. like, birth. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that was interesting. And he, he also said, um, uh, he said, at the point you want the monster to be most dangerous, it's at least, it's at its least dangerous. So, hmm. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. It it, it doesn't, you know, turn my opinion around on it uh, overall, but I, it helps, I think. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I was mostly just kind of disgusted by all of that, but also <laughs> it just really, it really, um, I don't know. It it really it worked. It it worked. It was effective for me. I don't know understand the meaning of it, but yeah, it was it was effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I did appreciate the vulner, vulnerability of it, you know, that's you can't defend yourself when you're giving birth. I can only assume, mm-hmm. right, you know. But that's just that's just like the supreme level of vulnerability is you're giving yeah. birth. You can't, you know, you yeah. <laughs> I, that then that was an interesting um, experience to force onto a man, especially one who's been aggressive and kind of uh, off-putting throughout the movie. 
Yeah. I, I also think it's interesting and he couldn't have planned it this way, but uh, how it's coming out now at a time when we're talking very much about like reproductive rights yeah. and women's bodies. <laughs> right. And, right. you know. Yeah. Oof. Yep. Um, so Ben, your overall thoughts. And then we, if we still have, we we're running a little short on time, but we can talk briefly about our father, but Ben overall thoughts on men. Yeah. Um, I would say of the films that he's directed, this is probably my least favorite. Um, Mm -hmm. probably won't make it into my top 10. I guess you never know, but, um, yeah, uh, I gave it three and a half stars. Nice. I did the same. I rated it three and a half stars. And, uh, yeah, I, I feel like this is a movie that'll grow with me a little bit, uh, even better or more so than, uh, Annihilation, which is a movie that I enjoyed, but didn't, it didn't really, uh, leave that much of an impression on me. I think this one left more of an impression, mostly because the fairly straightforward themes and subtext and everything. And, uh, yeah, I I think uh, it still has me excited for, uh, for Alex Garland's career and what he does next. Cause he's, he's a really interesting filmmaker. I'll say that. Um, uh, yeah. tiny real quick. You haven't watched devs yet. Have you? No, I have not. Okay. It's really, it's really good. It's, uh, yeah, I need to watch it. Yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's weird. It feels like it came out like 300 years ago. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, that's our review of Men. It is currently in theaters. Um, yeah, let us know what you thought of the movie and our review and everything. We're going to round out the episode with a probably pretty quick um, review of the new Netflix documentary, Our Father. So I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer. The the It's a documentary, the... Uh, plot summary courtesy of IMDb is after a woman's at-home t- DNA test reveals multiple half-siblings, she discovers a shocking scheme involving donor sperm and a popular fertility doctor. So I'm going to go ahead and play a clip from the trailer here, and then we're going to discuss our father. Growing up, I felt different. I was 35, and I take a DNA test. When I opened up Ancestry, I had over 3,000 hints. All of these random names were popping up, and it said close family. We all matched the name Klein. Dr. Klein was the best infertility doctor in Indianapolis. Right then, I knew Klein was our biological father. So that's when strange things started happening. I think it was some sick experiment for him. Most of us have blonde hair, blue eyes. It was almost like this perfect Aryan clan. It's disgusting. All right, so that was a clip from the trailer that I played the wrong clip for. Uh, that was the full trailer. I meant to play just an abbreviated clip. But anyway, um, so yeah, so this documentary just hit Netflix. It has um, some interesting ties kind of to us because we live in Indianapolis and this took place in Indianapolis. Um, how did you guys feel? Did you guys know about the story beforehand and how did you guys feel about the documentary? Yeah, I, I knew about the story because um, NPR did a podcast about it. Oh, nice. Um, and I only listened to like two of the episodes, unfortunately. Hmm. I, I wish I would have kept going with it. It was good. I just, I just, for whatever reason got away from it but yeah i knew i knew the story and um 
I was really intrigued by it because I think it's um, universally sad and like mm-hmm. you can empathize with these, these people, but I think it also really makes us all think about the legality and the ethics of this, mm-hmm. um, th- th- this person and what he did um, because it's, it's so easy to have an, have an emotional response to this. You know, it's about where you come from and who you are as a person. It's literally about your DNA. So it's very easy to just have an emotional reaction, but you have to approach this. I I guess, you know, the law is very practical, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, it's not an emotional practice. It's, it's practical. And, uh, it's, it's very easy to look at this and, and feel a certain way about it and just judge it on, on the surface, but you can't really do that. It's, it's just, it's very interesting, I think, to explore the ethics and legality of, of what this guy did. And, and that's, I, I was I really appreciated what the documentary did in that regard. Nice. Ben, how about you? Yeah. Um, I, you had floated the idea of covering this, Matt, and I, uh, I feel like I had heard this, heard of the news story mm-hmm. uh, before watching this. Maybe not this specific story, but uh, one that was similar because, uh, spoiler for the end, they mentioned that this is not yeah. the only time this has happened across America. Um, so I felt like I had heard of something of this nature, uh, but didn't know it was specific to Indianapolis Mm -hmm. and I kind of went into it thinking it would be one of those you know my like my response would be like oh that's kind of crazy and then Mm -hmm. just move on Uh, but it's I think it does a pretty effective job of uh, you know getting you on these people's sides Um, and some of the twists and turns that it takes is just really unexpected and weird uh, and I was, I was pretty interested in that from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I agree. I was kind of not, I was very interested in the, in the documentary cause I didn't know much about the story or anything. And I came out, came out of the documentary really appreciating it and more, uh, most importantly, appreciating the context that they put it in because it's. It's it is an outlandish it is a it is a crazy like certifiably crazy thing and while the shortcomings of the documentary is that they don't fully explore the psychology of it they kind of hint at a couple of things they throw a couple of things out there that could be like a reason for why but it's mostly about the 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 ramifications of his actions and it's about what he what what that does to these people and everything which i appreciate that um but i i just found it really fascinating when it did touch on ideas of why he why people would do this like they talk about the the big part that i was like i want to know more about this and see if this is like the thing but they were talking about the the quiverful cult thing where about like religious zealots want to just spread as much of their seed across the world to create soldiers and God's army and all of this other nonsense. And then 
when it touches on like, oh, we, you know, we're most of us are blonde hair, blue eyes. Like it's, it's like a, it's like a perfect Aryan race, uh, and like it hints at it hits, hints at that. Like I wanted a more more depth into that aspect of it, but what I did, but uh, despite that, I found it really compelling and unnerving and strangely fascinating um, in a, in a lot of respects. Like one, I thought, like I said, the context that they put it in. Um, because like you hear about a story like this and you think like oh okay well that's that's really messed up but then the things that the things that they put into context are obviously the first kind of thought is well you know siblings living in close proximity in the same area you're like it, without knowing about it what if what if two of them get together what if two of them have kids and not knowing that they're related and that causes uh, genetic issues and everything. There's also mm-hmm. issues of like not knowing their family history, <laughs> um, uh, with, with medical things and how they all have, like, most of them have like certain like medical issues that are passed down from him. And then the big one that I was just really unnerved and unsettled by is the, first of all, the, the, the number of, of, siblings that have been discovered which i we won't reveal here but also the the um the discussion of how it would have had to happen like he would have to produce and he would have to produce the sample that he would switch over in a an immediate fashion <laughs> while they're in the room and like that brings it into such a such an intru- an even more intrusive and criminal and crazy aspect to me that again I kind of wish it would have really dove into the mentality and the psychology of it but I just found that very unnerving and unsettling and I think they demonstrated that pretty well um yeah yeah I um I don't really do a whole lot of true crime um mm. and I've really kind of jumped off the uh, Netflix true crime series. Like, uh, you know, this, this could have very easily been another, like making a murder or Mm -hmm. tiger King or one of the other millions of other Netflix true crime documentary series. Yeah. Um, part of me is kind of glad that they didn't go that route. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt. Like I would have liked to spend more time with this weird culty religious faction that he was a part of. Yeah. Um, and also like the, um, his whole deal with like feeling like he's above everyone else. Yeah. So like his whole attitude with all the victims and his responses to all of them was mm-hmm. just really gross and uh it, it it didn't sit well with me. Um plus like you met you mentioned Matt like the long-term health mm-hmm. uh health issues that these people are going to have because of this. Like I think that that is like one of the most terrifying things about this whole thing mm-hmm. to me. Um, is these people have to live with these medical issues for, you know, which, which they may not have ever had if they were, 
uh, if they had had the right sperm or whatever. Yeah. Not to mention the emotional uh, fallout of all of it. Yeah, like there's the one scene where uh, they talk about how they had to tell the one girl's father that he wasn't actually her father and how devastating that was. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of devastation in the movie, but um, I, I was so, um, I was really surprised that at the end they didn't all get together and um, pursue some kind of civil lawsuit against him. I was really expecting yeah. that at the end because, you know, they kept talking that, satisfactorily they they talked about the legality of this and how mm-hmm. what i mean what do you charge this guy with there's no right yeah some of these mothers felt like they were raped yeah. and and but the problem is it it wasn't i mean it, there's mm-hmm. you can't the legal definition of rape it just does not meet that standard and that's just yeah. it's really unfortunate and it was obviously a violation mm-hmm. and and gross and sick but wasn't quite rape and how how do you how do you charge this guy what do you charge him with but i think without question they have a civil case against the guy because he violated a contract with these women and the men the two the the fathers you know i mean especially Mm -hmm. when these men who who were supposed to you know a mother and a father they put forth a sample and he discarded that sample and he used his own yeah that even more so than anything else is a huge contractual violation and and i think these people could just i don't know if they get get anything out of it really but um you know he he would get sued and and be publicly admonished even more and you know he could Mm -hmm. they should probably take his medical license away and stuff like that not that he practices anymore but right you know it it could it, it could be a form of uh catharsis for the victims and it could be um a way to punish him and make him sit there and hear their grievances. Um, So I I was kind of surprised it it didn't go that route. Maybe part of the reason they haven't done that is because they want to, um, uh, there there could be a hundred more people out there that are offsprings of this guy. Oh yeah. So that, that could be part of the issue as well. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's one thing that I was, that I thought about when I was watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Would you guys recommend this documentary? And would it be, uh, do you think it'll be on your top tens at all? No, it, it probably won't be on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I might recommend it to, you know, other people that live in Indianapolis mm-hmm. or Indiana. Uh, I think that's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. What, how much people outside of Indiana will enjoy it. Uh, who's, who's to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'd recommend it to a ton of people, especially people in Indianapolis, because if you, if your parents, you know, uh, went to this guy for infertility, you need to go get a DNA test. And the only way this is all going to get figured out is if anyone who had any even remotely contact with that guy needs to go get a DNA test and Mm -hmm. need to figure out who all these people are, because you could just be preparing even more future heartbreak like mm-hmm. uh like ben was saying where people who've never met each other meet and you know you could have they could have kids together and yeah. you could have some very serious genetic issues pop mm-hmm. up and some real tragedy even more tragedy tragedy than this guy's already created um yeah. so that's that's why i would recommend it especially 
uh, in this area. And I think it's an, a, an amazing, like a wacky, crazy story too. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick. I, um, I wanted to compliment the documentary from a filmmaking standpoint too. Mm-hmm. I think the, uh, the recreations were reenactments were, were fairly effective, but yeah. um, one thing they did that I thought was um, great from a disturbing standpoint, but just a, a good creative choice, despite how disturbing it was. Um, they like one of the opening reenactments was they kind of in a non-graphic way sort of showed the actor portraying uh, Dr. Klein essentially masturbating and mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. a sample. And they, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but they used yeah. that audio every time that they would show, <laughs> they would scroll up and it would say um, sibling number 15, sibling number 41, sibling number 66. It would be the audio of him having an orgasm basically. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought that was a very effective, subtle way to, kind of admonish him that like you got pleasure out of this, even if there's no way to really effectively charge him with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we we don't know if he did this for sexual reasons. Right. And and I think it's easy to go that route and, and maybe, maybe he was, maybe it was sexually gratifying for him and that's Mm -hmm. why he did it. Um, but we, we don't know for sure, but I, I think that was a sort of the way I interpreted it is that was a subtle way of admonishing him saying that even if you weren't doing it for sexual gratification, you were still enjoying yourself yeah. um, around yeah. this violation and that's wrong in and of itself. And it, um, that was just a disturbing little touch that was a creative thing they put in the documentary that I thought was just really effective and, and a, a, a nice creative choice. Yeah, I agree that that's an interesting analysis of that. Cause I hadn't really considered that. I think that's spot on. Um, I do, there are a couple of funny letterbox reviews. Um, uh, one user said, if I was going to make a documentary like this, I would simply not play the sound of a man coming repeatedly throughout. Um, <laughs> And another one was, I bet their group chat is wild, um, <laughs> which I, I liked. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll counter, well, I'll disagree with you, Tiny, on the recreations. I guess I just generally don't really care for recreations and documentays overall. And I think some of them here were fine to mm-hmm. uh, bad. Like, especially there was the one where, um, what was her name? Is it Jacoba? Jacoba. She was like in like a red hoodie in a, in this room that was like covered in paper and string. And that was a little too much. That was some stupid imagery. I agree. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. I agree, but also I've seen the social dilemma and this is much, <laughs> much, much oh, yeah. tamer than that. So yeah. I have yeah. no complaints. <laughs> I, I feel True. like I I understand why they did the recreations because yeah. you have to have some kind of visual to go along with the interviews. But I feel like, you know, if they would have just taken those out, it would have just been just as fine. They didn't really yeah. add anything for me anyway. 
That's fair. Yeah. And I agree. Reenactments can be super hammy and just bad. Um, And these weren't, you know, I thought they were fine, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I, I totally get it. I I get your criticism. Yeah. Um, Um, Super quick. Sorry. Um, I I don't know if you guys did this, but there's a moment where um, they, they show a map of Indianapolis and like all the people that, uh, have yeah. come forward, and I don't know if you guys like freeze frame. I on did, that and, <laughs> and looked at like, oh, there's there's uh, one person that's kind of close to me. There's another. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, I, to- did. I totally did that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, any parting thoughts? Because I know we're running a little bit long on our time, but uh, any parting thoughts before we wrap up for the evening? Anything no, that's it for me. All right, Ben. No, anything? I don't think so. All right. Well, that is Our Father. It is currently streaming on Netflix uh, from Blumhouse Productions. And uh, yeah, so that'll do it for this episode of The Obsessive Viewer. I think next time... Hopefully we can do this next week or the week after, but, uh, Ebert's great movies. We're going to be talking about the Godfather, um, the Godfather, uh, persona, persona and Dr. Strangelove. Yeah. Yes. So look forward to that. And again, check out Patreon, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, um, where I have a bunch of stuff. I actually did, uh, kind of on a similar subject. I did, um, episode reviews of the Hulu series, uh, candy, uh, limited series, five episodes, uh, did five episode reviews on Patreon at the $2 level. So check that out, patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and play us out. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. And uh, yeah, look from, looking forward to the next episode. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Uh, thank you guys. And we'll see you in the next episode. And now, here's a short clip from our Patreon-exclusive RSS feed. To hear the full clip and more exclusive Patreon content, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and become a patron at the minimum rate of $1 per month. Thank you and enjoy. Uh, because I'm me, I, like, when we were in the stands, I took an audio recording. So for the listeners who don't get to experience the the track which also just referred to it as the speedway track which i thought was <laughs> i thought that was very cute but I mean, it's not the only track in the world no, no. i mean she specific. yeah she is on to something but yeah i thought it was really cute but um but yeah so i just took audio of it so like for the listener who has who isn't in indianapolis or whatever this is what it's like to be at the speedway track um Hang on, let me play it. Oh, it's very early yet. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, this afternoon should be crazy. Should be a lot of fun this afternoon. Three to six, full practice. A little jump up the board for a ward. He just did his fast lap of the day at the end of that group. 224-920, Pato up to ninth place. And so, yeah, that was just something. <laughs> this podcast was edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. 
You can find links to all of our shows at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. For exclusive bonus content, including reviews, commentaries, and B-roll episodes, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.